0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Again, a big day in the news already here in Michigan and in Washington, D.C. A little later in the program, we are going to talk about the latest charges that are going to be announced in the Flint water crisis uh, today. Uh, Nick Lyon, who is the director of the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, evidently will be charged with involuntary manslaughter. Uh, this marks not only the highest level of charge leveled in the Flint water crisis, but the highest level of official uh, named uh, as culpable, criminally culpable in that probe. We're going to talk with Rick Pluto, the Capitol Bureau chief for the Michigan Public Radio Network, about that. But first, members of Metro Detroit's Chaldean community says dozen, They say that dozens of Iraqi Christians have been arrested by immigration enforcement agents. Most of the Chaldeans arrested have unclear status living in America and have criminal records. They could face deportation. Community leaders say that could be a death sentence. What will happen to these people if they are sent back to countries that may execute them? Does this immigration sweep have anything to do with President Trump's tough stance on immigration. We're going to spend a lot of the time on the show today talking about the crisis in one of our key communities here in Metro Detroit. And joining uh, me now to frame that conversation is Martin Mana, who's the president of the Chaldean Chamber of Commerce. Also with us is Steve Kanja, he's a director of Chaldean Voice Radio. His brother, Naja Kanja, was one of the people. Detained. He legally came to the United States in 1977. He served 23 years in prison for drug conspiracy and was released with perfect conduct. He's been released for years and runs 76 Wild Bill's locations with 400 employees. And yet he still was detained. Martin and Steve, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Good morning to you. Yeah, Uh, Martin. I want to. I want to start. I I don't know that people fully understand uh, what happened and and why. Just give us a, a, a brief overview of
1: what this was and how unusual it is in, in that community. Yeah, sure. So, you know, obviously we have a large Chaldean community here in southeast Michigan, about 150,000. Most came here in the late 1960s or the early 70s. Um, when you arrived to the United States and Fling all of them- Iraq. Yes, uh, fleeing Iraq. Right. So it might have been under Saddam Hussein or a different time. Um, many have fled iraq for different reasons more recently because of the islamic state Uh, but as they as an immigrant arrives to this country they all came here legally you know you are arriving and um you get a white card after one year you could then get a green card after five years you could apply for citizenship within that time frame um or if you delay your uh, actions in getting a citizenship. Some just didn't do it. They were lazy. Uh, and if you have a misdemeanor or if you commit a felony, uh, you then have no path to citizenship. You become deportable. And many in this situation, there's, uh, we think there's as many as 300 in our community, um, are on final orders of removal. And, and they committed these misdemeanors or felonies mainly in the 1980s. So think about that. President Reagan didn't deport him. President Clinton didn't deport him. President Bush didn't dep- deport him. President Obama didn't deport him. And all of a sudden, through this second executive order, Iraq was taking off this travel ban. For being for, part of the deal to be taken off the travel ban was, we will now accept Iraqi nationals that are uh, deportable. Right, right. Uh, and so, when they were
0: detained uh, over the weekend, wh- what happens? What happens next for these
1: people? Well, this is the dilemma. I mean, first of all, there's chaos because uh, U.S. really is, is mainly the only country that they've known most came when they were children. They're culturally illiterate. They don't speak Arabic. They don't have family or relatives in Iraq. These are people who grew up in this country. They grew up, and this is really all they know. And so the challenge is, uh, we're hearing a plane might leave as early as this Friday. Everyone's scrambling to try to get some sort of legal counsel, legal representation. They would have never thought they needed it. So this was a surprise. We knew something was brewing because we've had some more aggression with the ICE agents here locally. Uh, But we've been trying to work on a political solution and frankly you know, there is convention against torture. We're a country of laws. We should always follow the laws. But there's also laws against deporting people to a country where knowingly they will be harmed or put, in, or will be persecuted or there's fear of persecution. Stephen, just last week, Congress overwhelmingly, unanimously talked about the genocide that is taking place against Christians and other minorities in Iraq. Uh-huh. Last year, Secretary Kerry and the Obama administration labeled this a genocide. So how on one hand are we as a nation saying, that there's genocide being committed against Christians, on the other hand, sending Christians back to that country. And if I may, one last piece of this. In 2003, the U.S. invaded Iraq. 1.5 million Christians, more than 400 churches there. Since that invasion, our population has gone down to 200,000. Less than 40 churches remain. You've seen what's happened. Our stronghold was in and around Mosul, what the Islamic State has done to us. Mm -hmm. Just last week, a large Shiite cleric in in Baghdad claimed that all Christians there are infidels. They should leave the country. uh, All their possessions should be taken from them, or they should convert. This is a member of the government. And so... What are we doing? There's there's rules against cruel and unusual punishments, the Eighth Amendment here in the United States, and this is the the, the challenge that we're facing within yeah. the community.
0: Yeah, uh, Steve Kanja, tell me about uh, your brother Naja and his his situation. He's caught up in the middle of this.
2: Absolutely. Good morning. Uh-huh. Uh, my brother came here in 1977. He was 15 years old only. Uh, started working and unfortunately uh, he uh, got involved with a wrong crowd of people and uh, he was convicted of conspiracy to sell drugs first time offense he spent 23 years in federal prison a precious time of his life and yet when he was in prison he had a perfect conduct. Not only that, he helped establish some programs to help other inmates when they come out to be uh, good members of society so they don't go back to the old path of committing crimes. Uh, He finished his GDE, he continued higher education, and he came out eight years ago completely turning his life around and started working for Wild Bulls Tobacco. At that time, they had only eight locations. Today, they have 76. Uh, they had literally over 100 employees, today they have 400. He's the second in command at White Bulls and with, with so many things going on for him, uh, ready to get married, bought a house, uh, to establish a family. Now over one night, last Sunday morning, he they knocked on his door, picked him up and you're going to go to Iraq. He has not one single family member in Iraq, doesn't speak the language. You know, he broke my heart. I spoke to him this morning. He said, despite we have a court ruling, he should be released pending a hearing to grant him a stay of deportation. ICE is refusing to release him. He said, what happens if the plane takes me to Baghdad? Who's going to help me there? He said, I know no one. The corruption level in the government is so high the last member of the Kanja family, and we are a big, big family, to leave Iraq was kidnapped twice knowing he has uh, family members in the U.S. and they can pay the ransom. And we did. We paid over $70,000 to release him. Can you imagine what's going to happen to these people? This is a country that the government itself cannot protect its people, its right. own people. Yeah,
0: um, uh, Steve, I, I wonder if you can talk a little about why your brother, uh, who came here legally, uh, is allowed to be deported? I mean, what's the what's the, the the sort of catch there? This is not an illegal immigrant, is, is it? Because no, he, yeah, go ahead.
2: He came legally. Once you have one crime on your record and you have you established a felony, you lose your status. So uh, his green card was confiscated. He no longer can apply for citizenship, I mean, the law itself is cruel. I mean, look how many hardcore criminals we have today in in U.S. Uh, they're uh, wandering on the streets of whether it's Detroit or San Diego or any other state simply because uh, they're citizens. And uh, my brother is one of many. Ninety percent of the people they picked up over this weekend first-time offenders. Some, some of the crimes are petty. A uh, guy uh, at age 18 or 19 caught with a, a handgun without a permit, now he's married, has several businesses, two, two kids, uh, over that crime to be sent to a country that's going to beheaded him.
0: Yeah. Uh, 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 and and he was, even though they took his green card after he committed the crime, he was still allowed to stay in the country for a long time. and and build a productive life for himself
2: absolutely and this is baffling this is shocking to all of us and uh... uh we we were thinking this is uh... trump administration and we're gonna open an, a new face and uh... like martin said uh, the population of christians in iraq depleted from one point five to less than two hundred and thus the two hundred thousand they're all refugees One way or another, in the north part of Iraq, and you know, all all of our villages were uh, taken over by ISIS, Uh, churches destroyed, not only churches, uh, even our own cemetery where our dad and my uncles are buried, they were turned over. Uh, There's nothing but a bunch of bones all over the place. Yeah. yeah. How can you send these young kids to to their death?
0: Uh, uh, Steve, I also want to ask you about your brother's businesses. What? What will happen to those businesses? What will happen to those employees if he is in like, fact deported?
2: Uh, he is the second man in command. I'm sure, you know, he has, uh, since he started with them eight years ago, he has um, implemented some policies. But I'm deeply uh, sure in my heart this will have a great impact at this co- young company. Uh, they have a, um, a plan to expand in other states. They already um, have a couple of locations in Ohio. Their goal was to be a, a national company over the next five to ten years. And now I believe everything is going to be put on hold. Yeah, right. And these fam- families, one way or another, they will suffer.
0: Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Martin Manna. He is the president of the Chaldean Chamber of Commerce. Also with us is Steve Kanja. He's the director of Chaldean Voice Radio. We are talking about the de- tensions of... Uh, dozens of Iraqi Christians uh, over the weekend. Uh, Most of them have unclear status living here in America and have criminal records, but they are being deported to a country where they could face death. What does that say about our immigration policy? What does that say about us as a country? Do you think we ought to be sending people back to countries where they might face dire consequences? Do you think we ought to be focusing deportation efforts on people who may have committed crimes a long time ago, minor crimes in many cases, but have lived here legally for many, many years. Uh, some who have established businesses. Most, I assume, have built families here in the United States. Does it make sense to focus deportation policy on people like this. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, this is a conversation we've had a lot this year on Detroit Today about how immigration policy is changing under President Donald Trump, and More importantly, what effect that has on our community, what that effect that has on businesses in our community, what effect that has on families in our community. This may be one of the most dramatic uh, consequences that we have seen so far of the change in policy. What do you think about that? What do you think about the way that President Trump has changed the way we think about people who come to this country uh, seeking a better life again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones martin i want to I want you to talk a little about the Chaldean community here uh and the contributions that it makes to to southeast michigan uh it, It's a community that I've known since I was a small child, one of my closest friends in fifth grade, in fact mm. was a little girl whose parents. Uh, immigrated to this country from Iraq, uh, seeking, you know, refuge from the things that were going there. Uh, I, I went to high school with lots of people uh, of Chaldean descent. Uh, I, I have friends now who are, but I'm not sure everybody really understands how rich of a community this is sure. uh, and how much they contribute to Southeast Michigan. Most.
1: I, I appreciate that. And if I, if I may, I think it's also important to know that those folks that are now at risk of deportation aren't a threat to national security, and um, they do, because of of the predicament that they've been in since the 80s or 90s, uh, report at least once a year to ICE, if not uh, more often each year. So they know where they're at. They're always monitoring them. It's not as if these guys are a bunch of criminals that are just out uh, and about uh, committing more crimes. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure people are aware of that. But the Chaldean community... This is the largest concentration outside of the Middle East. And by Chaldean, you know, uh, their native language is Aramaic, which is the language of Christ or a dialect of that. Mm -hmm. We're indigenous to Iraq. There's quite a large community in Iraq and also in Syria. You know, two of the most... Unique places in the world now because of all the the turmoil, but the contributions here in Southeast Michigan, a community of 150,000 own more than 15,000 businesses, according to a D business article just last year, contributed 11 billion to the economy here just in the state of Michigan. And uh, it's a community of entrepreneurs. And so you talk about retail in the city of Detroit. Um, Islam forbid the sale and consumption of alcohol, so Christians in the Middle East always own liquor stores, and that's a big business that they've always been here in Southeast Michigan. It's also supermarkets that's all all gone into hospitality, a lot of real estate development, so big contributors here to the local economy. Um, And and like other immigrants, they're they're job creators, they're not job takers, Um, and so a lot of great contributions. The other issue here is this is um, unique. The Chaldeans really don't have a homeland anymore. Right. There is no place they could just go back to and and enjoy life as as we you and I would imagine here in the United States. There is no homeland for us. You know, think about um, historically what this country has done. We didn't deport Cubans back to uh, Fidel Castro because we knew it would be certain death for them. It's a great analogy. And then there's uh, many other instances, whether it was the Cold War or other places throughout the world, in which there was turmoil. The difference here is the United States created the mess in the— Circumstances. Yes. And— we have 800,000 members of our community currently displaced outside of Iraq. The ones that remain there are mainly refugees; they're internally displaced people, and so we do have some bear some responsibility here. And the argument, the public argument back and forth has been: these are criminals. No, they were criminals. If they're still acting as if they're criminals, I'll be the first one to say deport them. Right. We don't right. want that riffraff here. But they've led productive lives. Yeah,
0: and and you think about the number of people who are uh, native. To this country people who are born here who make mistakes uh, people who commit crimes as teenagers or even as adults that uh, that for a time require that they maybe spend some time in jail or 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 do some other sort of penance we don't come back to them after that crime has been committed and adjudicated and say well now we're going to punish you a second time mm-hmm. for the crime in fact
1: it's unconstitutional. You can't do that. You can't be punished twice. Well, for the there's same. There's international time. laws and country laws and the Eighth Amendment of cruel and unusual punishment, but there's also a convention against torture where we knowingly cannot deport people. This is the irony here. I mean, people know this, and it seems like ICE is doing everything they can to rush through this, not giving them due process or enough time to even get counsel and getting this plane out of here before people can defend themselves. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, again, uh, my guests are Martin Manna, president of the. Chaldean Chamber of Commerce, and Steve Conja, director of Chaldean Voice Radio. We're talking about the deportations of some Chaldean Americans who are here, here living here in southeast Michigan. You want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. Caller David, who could not stay on the line, said, this is sad, but all they need to do is get a green card and become legal. I think that represents a little bit of the misunderstanding here. You cannot get a green card if you immigrate legally and then commit a crime. Yes, correct?
1: so the, the process is when they do get here, they get a white card. After a year, it's a green card. After five years, you have the ability to uh, apply for permanent citizenship. If you violate the law before those five years... Or after the five years, if you don't go and actually apply for citizenship, because there's a process, you have to take a test, you have to understand the constitution, the laws of this land. If you don't go through that process, then at um, y- y- you have no clear path, there is no legal path for you to become a citizen in this country.
0: And so essentially, these people have been living in some legal limbo, in some cases, for a very long time, and in the sense that they can't apply for uh, for citizenship, uh, but they also were not being deported and and I suppose this is one way of resolving that issue but it but but it it, it sort of countermands all of the principles that we hold dear around the law and moral just moral justice uh, in the world. it's really it's,
1: it's really inhumane and we, we've had conversations for quite some time with this administration, the previous administration that special consideration have been given to a certain classes of people that knowing that their lives would be put in jeopardy and that's what we've been requesting for quite some time Um, today the aclu is filing a federal lawsuit there's many other groups that have um really you know when 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 you're in a predicament like this you really figure out who your friends are really quick and um, we're just very thankful there's many communities that have reached out to us and Uh, we have to continue to fight as as much as we can before Friday, before the plane is is expected to leave. Yeah,
0: Uh, Let's take uh, some calls here. Cheryl in West Bloomfield, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Hi, Stephen. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Sure. I just want to say very quickly, I find this to be outrageously inhumane and cruel, given that this is supposed to be a Christian country. You're sending these Christians back to a certain death sentence. This is genocide. But very quickly, I want to say, That this move by Trump is simply red meat for his base. There's been no real legislative victories with this administration, but whatever he can do uh, to erode civil rights of people in this country uh, through executive orders, that's what he's doing. Look at what he's done to Mexicans. Now he's doing it to Chaldeans. Even Jeff Sessions and the Department of Justice has refused to implement the criminal justice reforms of the Obama Obama administration uh, by trying to reduce mass incarceration in this country. They're going back to mandatory minimum sentencing, uh, which will lock up more African-Americans. This is red meat for his base. And I believe that Donald Trump is dangerous. He becomes more dangerous to our civil liberties every single day. And mainstream media needs to be focused on this. Yeah.
0: Cheryl, uh Great call. Thank you very much for the comment. I I agree with with almost everything you said uh, right there. One question to both uh, Martin and Steve. uh, Colleen, who was a a caller who also couldn't uh, stay on the line, says, as an American citizen, what can she do to help in the very short term? And that's that's one of the things I think uh, is a really common question right now about some of the things that we're seeing out of the Trump administration. If you don't agree... With this, what can you do, Martin? I'll start
1: with you. Well, what I've witnessed here in the last few days is several members of Congress, several members of Congress who have reached out to our community to aid us, but not on both sides of the aisles, which is really uh, disturbing to me because not um, Republican. um, Yeah, and and the reason being, I mean, one could argue that the Chaldean community, um, the majority of which supported President Trump, and so um, this is not an issue of illegals which is one of the that's one of the great ironies here is that this is a pretty conservative community politically they support Republicans it's all about faith and family within the community Uh, but we are all about social justice right and so um, historically we've we've had challenges I mean with the Democrats uh, when we talk about religious issues mainly Christian persecution and defending Christian rights you know we sometimes don't get the response we want on the other side, we you know we're immigrants, and we talk about immigration issues. Republicans don't want to touch it, but this is a human rights issue. We are a country that values human rights, and so we are doing what we can to make sure that both sides of the aisle support this issue because it's you know this we are their constituents. Right, right.
0: Uh, Steve Kanja, uh, talk about what what people can do to support uh, the Chaldean community in this sort of time of of strain.
2: Yeah, Steve. Uh, I mean these this is a crucial time this is a very hard time for many many uh chaldean families uh we're asking everyone uh for their support we uh will have a rally this coming friday in downtown detroit i mean we're doing everything to put a pressure on this administration to uh put a stop on on this plane leaving probably friday or saturday uh, there is a sense of urgency here. Uh, they're not listening to us. Just like I told you, my brother has a court order to be released. They're not returning our call, the ICE office in Detroit or in D.C. Uh, they're not doing anything. That they, they're actually they're breaking the law by uh, holding him. Uh, we need everyone's support, making phone calls to their uh, congressional represent, uh, representatives uh, to put a pressure on the, on the administration. I just feel so bad in my heart for many families with young children. How are you sending Christians to a country that cannot defend its own citizens? We're hearing in the news, this is what we hear, every single uh, week Baghdad is rocked by many explosions. And yet we're sending uh, a plane full of young people, first-time offenders, uh, to Baghdad. I mean, where where is the principles of this country? Where is uh, what our forefather fought for? Right,
0: right. Uh, I mean, I think that's one of the things that uh, that a lot of people are asking right now is, what does this what does this say? about us. Okay, um, Martin Manna, president of the Chaldean Chamber of Commerce, and Steve Kanja, director of Chaldean Voice Radio, both of you, thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you for thank having you us.
2: Thank you so much for uh, having us. Absolutely.
0: Alright, up next, we're going to talk about brand new charges in the Flint water crisis, the most severe and high-profile charges to date. Stay with us on Detroit Today.